0: Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the phrase, Create Your Yes, which happens to be the empowering title of a book written by my guest for this episode, Angela Marie Hutchinson. Angela is a writer, producer, TEDx speaker, social media professor, and founder of Breaking Into Hollywood. Her motto is, don't chase your dreams, live them. How much do I love that? Welcome, Angela.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here because this is one of my favorite topics, helping people to create their own, yes.
0: Oh, Amen. I am so excited you're here too. I, I, yeah, okay, we're going to get into it because I could talk about this all day and night too. Uh, so if it's okay with you, do you mind? I would love to walk through the 12 steps, which you call the 12 s- strategies for success that are the book.
1: Yes, that sounds great.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Absolutely. And then I, I actually want to get, and then through this as we weave stories to find out, you know, things that have come from your own life and how you came to write this. But the first thing that I love, and it's so helpful for all of us, it doesn't matter whether we're in front of the camera, behind the camera, where we are in life, jobs, relationships, redirect the rejection, how to navigate the no's, such a fundamental way to just get along in life.
1: Absolutely. I mean, once I feel like I mastered or or understood and eventually mastered how to redirect no's and just negativity, and sometimes no's may not be actual hearing the word no, but it's just like stagnant or silence. When I figured out how to redirect it, it's made my career just so much easier to like go through. You know, it's like very relaxing. There's not so much pressure to be able to just you know, I didn't get a yes, I didn't get a yes, I didn't get a yes, I didn't get what I want. So learning how to do that is, you know, really, really crucial. And I think one of the most important steps to being able to redirect it is um, just understanding that it happens to everyone. You know, I know we hear that a lot, that it happens to everyone, and then we all sort of receive no's. But you really, really have to, like, think about that and process that. I've worked with so many celebrities, and all of them have heard no at one time in their life. And even today, like even as they are celebrities, yes is not for everyone, everything
0: is not for everyone. Okay, one, so true, when you think about celebrity shows get canceled, contracts don't get renewed, many, many things and often very publicly. So that's its own thing to navigate. But walk me through a little bit how you came upon your own process for redirecting the no.
1: You know, I think it's start. It's so funny because this book is actually based off of uh, a TEDx that I did, and so it started because I was actually invited to give a talk on breaking barriers, and so I was thinking to myself, you know, what kind of barriers have I broken? you know? um, Certainly I've broken barriers as a woman, as a Black woman. I'm a mom of three kids. I've been married for 18, well, 19 years, tons of barriers there, you know? And so, but then I was trying to think of something that relates and connects to everyone. And I was thinking it something that everyone experiences is rejection. And so once I realized how how that affects everyone. I was like, this is a topic I really want to explore because I feel like I'm an expert in in rejection. I feel like I'm, I'm literally an expert in rejection because I've heard no over and over and over again. And so I had gotten to a point in my own career where I felt like I did everything right. Right. Like I've done networking and I've taken the classes and got the degrees and, you know, authentic networking, not just meeting people, but just like really doing the things you're supposed to do. And I felt like I just kept hearing no, 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 no. And one capacity or another. And I was like, okay, I have to figure this thing out. I have to figure out how to get through rejection. And little by little, I would just try like little things, just little things like here or there, send an email to someone you know, random. And I was like, oh, wow, this, 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 that worked. Okay. And just like trying it a little bit, a little bit. And now I'm just like, okay, full on, you know, just redirecting it. And I think what it is, when we think about the term of like redirecting, like what that actually means, one of the first steps is like um, understanding what kind of no that you're getting and understanding how to categorize that no. And I talk about that in the book. And when you understand how to categorize the no, like what kind of no is it, you can start to create a plan and actually implement a way to kind of break through that note or create another opportunity. You know, because a lot of things that you might be looking for in life aren't always directly, you might see them directly in front of you, but the way you get to them is not always on a straight path. As we know, anybody in entertainment knows that success. I remember one time I saw this like puzzle, had this broken up puzzle, and it was like when I was younger, it was saying when you were younger, you thought success looked like this. You just like, just like go through, it's like this straight little path, like maybe a little challenges, you know, but really it literally looks like busting through, busting through, like just, you really have to just break and just kind of like, keep going, keep going, keep going, regardless of everything. And so that's one of the things I've used to try to redirect uh, knows that I've received in my life.
0: Wow. One of the things I'm hearing is it's a lot of like motion, taking action Right. In a great way. I mean, sometimes you sit with it, but I understand what you're saying. It's like, do something, take an action. Yeah. Right. Um, And that's true, because sometimes regardless of what is it, that just keeps us going. And To your point, it doesn't have to be a big thing.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big thing. That's the thing too. Like, you know, especially like in the creative, you know, I work in the creative space, you know. So I've worked as a um as a showrunner and as a show creator. You know, I'm a writer and so I'm very creative and I'm always coming up with a lot of ideas. And when you learn with creativity, even just like being in a different environment, if you're having a roadblock, a writer's block, you know, you might think it's because like you you know, you're not a strong writer or your idea is not good enough, but it might just be because you're in your room. All the time, every time you try to write, try going to a cafe or a different cafe, or it could just be you know, like having a different aroma. So many things can affect you. And so just trying to try, it doesn't have to be some major life altering things, but it's just really the small steps and the small steps you take and you can learn, you learn more about yourself in the process. And you kind of, you know, what I've, what's really helped me is I kind of understand how my yeses come in life. I've noticed that pretty much anything I've wanted it never, it like is never a direct path. Never. It's never a direct path. There is always some tangent to it. So when I know that I'm like, okay, here's the straight path that you do to get here. But then I take a look and I talk about like peripheral vision and other things and say, okay, I know this is not my path. Cause it's never been for me. Maybe some point in life, it'll just be some direct thing. It magically happens. Right. Um, and so I'm like, OK. And so once you learn how successes work in your life, because it's different for everyone, you can start to, you know, move a little bit, like progress further and further and further. And that's what's really been helpful for me. And I really try to help other people to do that as well, because I know it works.
0: OK, that's an incredible exercise. Everyone should just stop what they're doing and start to think about what are the patterns? What's been the route to all your successes? What do they have in common? That's incredible. So that gets you into the visualize like a pilot. What's that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I
1: love that. You know what? It's so funny because this this particular chapter came because my husband, I'm married to a real rocket scientist. And so um, he's always given me like these interesting terms and, you know, and I'm always like listening to things that he's doing at work and, you know, as much as he can tell me. And so one of the things is when you think about pilots, you know, I think the average person, when you think about a pilot, you would think that they spend their time looking ahead. Like, that's what I think most of us would be like, okay, if I was going to be a pilot, I'm going to look ahead, you know, kind of scan to the right and left. And that's like pretty much what you do. But really, um, pilots spend a lot of their time on the peripheral vision. That is that is how they navigate the skies. And we really have to do that with our career. I know that it's it's easier sometimes to just focus, you know, because we're told to focus. That's something we're taught like as little children. And, you know, and I even try to tell my children like, yes, focus, but I also don't want them to be so focused because then you can miss out on how to get to right there in that bullseye. So you really have to look at to like what's on your right, what's on your left. And like I give this example, my TEDx talk, but it's it's a literal example, like how I met my husband. We went to college together but I was literally on the 405 freeway. We all know that freeway is incredibly insane. Like one of the, it is like the busiest freeway in the US, I believe to date. And like, I felt some, literally I was driving and I just felt something like going like this. I was like, what is that? Like feeling, I feel like, and I looked and it was like Arthur and he was waving and I was like, oh my gosh, like that is so random. Like Why? How, how do you see someone, you know, from college, like on the freeway, you know? And so he motioned me to get off and I got off and, and we started hanging out from that day forward. And eventually, you know, we, we got married we were married for, for 19 years. And like, that's a literal example because he's literally on the side of me. So it's very peripheral, but in general, There's so many examples of that that I could give like over and over in my career. And I, you know, I've done a lot of coaching with other people and I've seen that if you tend to focus on things like slightly to the right and like, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Let's say like you're a comedian and you really are, you know, trying to land a sitcom, you know, and you really want to be the lead in a sitcom. So the traditional steps, we pretty much all know what that might, what that might look like, but something untraditional might be like, what about, what, what about trying to do a TEDx talk, even though that's very serious, like a talk is very serious and maybe, you know, you're like, well, that's, that has nothing to do with what, what I'm doing, but that might lead into my book is a, is a great example of that. I mean, I got a TEDx, I did a TEDx talk and then I landed a book deal. And to be honest, like, to be very honest, I wish I could say like, oh, I always wanted to write this book called create your yes. Like that was just my goal. When I moved out to LA from Chicago, that was my goal. But it wasn't my goal. I did want to write a book, but this wasn't the book I wanted to write. This was the book deal that I got, but it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't like setting out to like write this book, do a TEDx talk, get a book deal, and then, you know, so forth. So you have to pay attention to things, you know, slightly on your right and left in your environment, your people, people around you, people you know. I believe that most of us have everything we need to take that next step forward in our careers right in front of us or
0: to the side. It's, it is, it is, it is literally there. I love it. And so another way that like I would phrase it one is just staying open and curious because uh, when we're deep in our paths, we become very self-absorbed. So to your point, we're not paying attention. And that's just a, an example I give all the time. Is just like lift up your head and make eye contact and see who's Absolutely. around you. Right. Cause we're so, we're eyes down on the phone. We're waving our phone to pay for things. We're not even looking up and seeing so that, that I just love it. I think that's beautiful. The next one is also something that's very near and dear to my heart, which is the focus on the inchstones. But I've never heard that phrase, stones, So I love that instead of milestones. Cool. I mean, I, I that's
1: one of my favorite chapters too. And the reason being is because... We all tend to focus on milestone goals. We do. We traditionally focus on getting married by a certain time, having kids, having this many kids by this time, um landing a role, getting a book deal, you know, whatever it might be, earning X amount of money, which are these milestone big lofty things that may happen and you can make a plan to achieve them, but at the end of the day, you have absolutely zero control over your milestones, like 100%. You, you you really don't. Like there are, but your inch stones, which is the steps to achieve the milestones, you know? There's like 63,000 something inches in a mile. So if you look at, if you had to take like that many steps, again, small, it doesn't have to be massive steps. The, e- the amount of emails you're sending, the amount of time you're spending books, listening to podcasts, the amount of time you're educating yourself and doing things, to um, kind of like the 10,000 hour rule, right? These inch stones that you can actually control because at the end of the day, like if you, um, and the reason why it's so important to focus on that is because what happens with creatives is sometimes we get very depressed. When we don't achieve a goal um, or our career is not going like where we want it to go, We we can fall into this like This is. Am I supposed to be doing this? This is not for me. Maybe I shouldn't have moved here to LA or New York or whatever. And you and you can become depressed. But if you focus on achieving your inchstones, you will nine times out of ten be able to hit your mark. You'll be able to actually hit that mark. And when you start to focus on progress is success, you'll change how you think and how you feel about yourself. And you'll realize you're not really doing that bad after all. Like you're actually on track for your goals. So it's incredibly important to focus on, sure, you want to get an agent. Okay, that's great. But the way to get an agent is sending 10 query emails every day by the end of the week or, or whatever that might be for you. So the stones are incredibly important.
0: Wait, I want to say with progress is success. I want that On a mug, on a tote bag, just to sit with that for today, because your point is so well taken, how results oriented we all are. And just part of the aspect of of letting go of results, which is hard, but when we have such a vice like grip on our results that um, that can inhibit our growth. And, you know, just interesting enough to talk about agents, a quote I heard somewhere recently um, from an agent was, you know, for every no talent Mm -hmm. hears, you have to realize that agent hears 50 no's. Oh, because yeah. they hear no's on behalf of all their clients and it stopped me in my tracks. Because it we, because you don't ever stop and think about you know having sort of compassion and empathy for that for the agent in the process. And I was like,
1: wow. Absolutely. That's so true. I actually used to be a talent agent. So I totally relate to that. I used to represent actors, and and that's actually how I think fundamentally start to look at no a little bit differently, because I wouldn't always reject or not sign someone because of anything that had to do with them, it had zero to do with them. There were so many other factors and they could have been like better than talent I had on my roster at the time, but there were just other factors that I didn't have time to email or communicate you know, to them. So it's just like, okay, sorry, you know, you're not a great fit and I'm not gonna go into the details of you know, whatever it might be. So absolutely, I relate to that 100%.
0: <laughs> Why is it important to identify our advocates?
1: I think that identifying advocates is really, truly the number one reason why I have been successful and understanding that you only need, you don't need to have the whole world in your corner, but if you have a couple of people that are rooting and advocating for you and you communicate effectively to them goals you're trying to achieve or things you're wanting or resources you're looking for, that... um there are like we are in this world to help each other at the end of the day and and our world is very collaborative our industry the entertainment industry is very collaborative so i found that when you identify your advocates and it can be though usually there are people who are already in your circle but you can certainly develop new advocates new mentors right that you can reach out to whether it be via linkedin Um, i often get a lot of requests from people that over time it doesn't happen overnight But over time, you can definitely gain new advocates and they can just be such great resources, right? Because so many people have done things that you might want to do. And so it's so great to have like the world is like so full of resourceful information and people
0: if you just reach out to them. Absolutely. And something that Christina Dave said on the podcast and her talk was around PR for anyone, the same thing approaches with cultivating relationships with media, whether it's, you know, producers who are booking segments on shows, writers, magazines, newspapers, blogs, et cetera. But I mean, it's the same thing. It's it's because it becomes like a mutual advocacy. Absolutely. And a lot of us have shared interests too. Yes, 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 yes. And I was going to say another way, you know, to show up too, is even show generously in groups and conversation across social media, even if you're not posting, but to show up is... To create advocacy by being generous. That makes sense.
1: Oh, no, I love that. That is so 100%. I love that. And I think that we need to do far more of that. Like sometimes, you know, some of my friends or people who I'm following on social media, like, okay, Angela, you just like 10 of my posts. I'm like, yes, because I want to cheerlead you on today. You know what I mean? And I think that is so important because we don't get enough of that. So we definitely need to pour into. You know, as much as we can in an authentic way, not just doing it just because, but really authentically, like if we find something or we like something, like letting people know that we liked it. I think it's just we have to remember we're all human and we all need that.
0: I'm not kidding when I say I love each one of these chapters so much, but this is one core messages is, you know, don't fit in when you should stand out and you have erase what you know to get beyond the status quo. And I think that those are very much aligned in this idea that we get stuck there so much and it seems like a safe space, but it's a false sense of security because it prevents you from getting where you want to go. So walk me through how you came upon this. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, I think it's one of the fundamental things as a mom, when I think about how I'm raising my children and how I was raised, we're traditionally raised to gain new information, gain information. And then when you get that, you're supposed to utilize it, right? Like that is how we're trained as humans. If you get a crayon, you're supposed to color with the crayon. You're not supposed to, you know, bake a cake with a crayon. Like that is not what you're supposed to do. And I've learned that through creativity and ideas, like there's so much that you can gain and really improve yourself, and then ultimately helps to improve, you know, um, those around you to make your your natural living life experience just enjoyable. And so, one of the things that I've that like one of the things that sort of sparked this idea is um, actually with my, I guess he let's see, he's my oldest son now, so he's 13. Um, and so when he was a, a baby, he he never crawled ever. And I remember my mom being like, "Oh my gosh, something might be wrong with him. Like we need to get him to the doctor." Whatever the milestone marks were at that time, you know, one or whatever it was, he had not crawled. He had not walked. He was not walking. He was not crawling. And then um, I was just like, "Mom, it's fine." Like you know, just try not to worry about it. And then like one day we're sitting and he just like stood up and just started walking. And we were like oh my goodness, did he just start walking? It's insane. He never crawled one day in his life. I mean, literally, like I'd always like at the daycare, you know, I'd say, did he crawl today? Like, did he even do, they're like, no, but like, don't worry, you know, he's going to. And I was like, okay, you know? And so the thing is, is like, once I researched it, my mom, I, I, then my mom was like, oh my gosh, we have a baby genius. Like he just, you know, <laughs> like she went from, he might need help to like, He's a genius right and then I was googling I was wondering like how often you know babies like crawl and it's it's common I mean it is common that it's not like hugely common but it, there is a high percentage of uh, babies that never crawl and they just start to walking. And they just start walking. And so just like th- that right there, and there's so many little things like that that have happened in my life that have let me know to like, huh, I should think about things a little bit differently. And one of the examples I love to share with entertainment professionals is oftentimes we're told like, not to contact people, right? You don't email people you you don't know. Like it's kind of rude if you email someone. Like if you email the president of, of Lionsgate, that would be, whoa, like crossing the line a little bit. But I did that. I emailed the president from Lionsgate. I was reading an article in the Hollywood Reporter and he had mentioned that he was looking for certain kind of movies and at the time I thought I had a script that was similar to it, and I was like, Hmm, I should email this guy. Like, what do I have to lose? I mean, you know? And so I Googled and figured out what the email address was at Liongate, sent him an email. That same day, like, I think within like hours, he responded to the email. I had no connection to him whatsoever. I was not represented. I didn't have an agent. So, this is like, all the things we're told not to do, right? Like, don't solicit yourself. And so, don't solicit your, not yourself, but your scripts, your material. So, he responded and his team responded. And from that day forward, in terms of my career, I knew that, like, okay, this really works. Like, you're really going to have to challenge. It's good to get information, right, that you know. We hear the concept of, like, eventually your yes will come. Like, if you keep hearing no over and over again that eventually your yes will come, right? Like, after 99, no's eventually will get, get a yes. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is not true. You Sometimes you are not going to get a yes until you actually create the opportunity yourself. And so you really have to challenge what you're taught. So you want to get information, see if it's working for you, kind of feel it out. But then at some point you might have to say, you know what, is this really true? And it doesn't mean that it's not true forever and ever, but it may not be true for this time, this season in your life. So you definitely want to challenge information that you're being told, especially when it comes to rules in our, in our business.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I just want to add to that because it is clear that what you wrote was a professional email. Absolutely. That provided value to the president of landscape, And you and as a communications coach, I can already tell, that you wrote to him away in a way that was respectful, that honored his time and how busy he is and you know where he is in the company. And you provided value. There's something right there in that opening sentence that says to him please keep reading and I, I'm just bringing that up because your point is so well taken and it, there's so many great stories of rule breakers but it's not about doing something silly or over the top or um sometimes aggressive like I sometimes have people write to me like sort of yell at me in emails I'm like that's probably not a winning strategy but the other hand some but people write to, you wrote to me I mean people write to me all the time and and you're you're warm and respectful and you, you provide value and there's so yeah. many stories of that. That's great. Such a uh, such a good reminder. That is that's important. Yeah, it's absolutely important. And I think and in
1: that email, like it was very short. To your point, it was very short and sweet. It was just like, hi, congrats on the success of this film. I heard you're looking for more films. I think I have something like it. log line below. And that was it. There was no like I didn't tell where I was from or anything or and that was it. Was very short and sweet. He could read it. My rule of thumb with emails is send the email to yourself first and read it. And if you have to keep using your thumb to scroll up, like you're doing too much.
0: (laughs) Okay. Again, that's so perfect. You're absolutely right. Respect his time. Yes. Right. You didn't need to tell your life story. If he wanted it, he could Google it. I love it. Speaking of that, I love this one. And I want to learn more about the notion of brand versus identity.
1: Yeah, I love this topic because when I worked as a social media professor at LMU, that is one of my favorite topics to talk about, because especially now, because everyone is on social media, everyone is so familiar with the term branding and everyone's like, you know, trying to do that with their business or themselves, depending, you know, what kind of work they do. But um I think it's important to understand the difference between branding and identity. And, you know, the easiest way that I like to think about it is that when you think about your identity, you know, it has the word ID in it. And so it's basically who you are. If you pull out your driver's license, it's going to say, I'm Angela Marie Hutchinson. It's going to say what race I am, you know, and how much I weigh and, you know, whatever. It's going to tell you the facts of essentially who you are, your your identity Is who you are, but your brand is how you want to be perceived. So it's really how do you want someone to perceive you? And understanding those two are so important because you can, I can have an, I I can have a brand that I want or I hope to achieve, but someone may not see me like that. Like they just may not for whatever the reasons are. And it doesn't mean I'm not that. It just means that's not the perception someone's getting from me when they go to my website. Or they go to my social media or whatever it might be. Um, even when I was trying to get my actual book deal, at the time I had a literary agent, which by the way, I got from normal queering. But I, when my agent was going out to publishers, it was originally with a book um, that was a mom's devotional for moms. And so, um, so I'm a Christian, and so it was like a daily devotional for moms who were, you know, were raising young children. And he went out, he took it to market, and all of the publishers basically said no. And I and I said, can we find out some feedback? Like, why are what? Why are they saying no? Because I'm really big on getting feedback. He came back with some of the feedback, and it was basically like, you're a strong writer. But the topic you're writing, they just don't think you have the platform large enough, this kind of book they would want from like a pastor's wife or a pastor. And that's not who I am. I'm just a mom who happens to be a Christian who wants to give some advice to other moms. Like, you know, simple as that, like a little daily reading. And I said, well, find out what kind of book they think I should write. And two or three people came back, or the publishers, and said she should be writing business. She should be writing a business book. And I was like, hmm, OK, that, that wasn't on my radar. That wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to do. I wasn't opposed to it, you know. And so, yeah, that was that's a really good example of like understanding how they perceived my brand as a businesswoman. I was perceiving my brand as, oh, this mom who, you know, wants to help other moms. And so understanding that is helpful.
0: Okay. I want to sit with this for a second. Cause I love this. And it's there's I've actually dealt with a version of this myself, but one thing on a practical is that, that you tapped into two is it, we had identity, but then there's brand versus branding. So it's like, you feel this is my brand and how I want to perceive, but your branding meaning colors, font, websites, photos, wasn't in sync or in alignment in a way that the majority of people were understanding. So that's an important distinction for all of us. And that's always like trial and error. And we're constantly like tweaking to get better. But also one of the things you're tapping into is your identity of yourself, how you see yourself versus how the world's seeing you. And as a mom, I totally get that. And it was actually my daughter who recently pointed out to me that she's like, just even in terms of styling, she's like, no one's no one's hiring you to be their mother they're hiring you as a multimedia coach and i was like oh my gosh because it was something we were doing photos and she's like you can't wear that i was like why i love it she's like it's a mom dress that's so funny oh my god but but i my point is i get it because that right isn't that the first thing you identify about yourself
1: yeah, it is. It is. For right. me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's a beautiful it's a personal thing. But it's so it really opened my eyes as that kind of example. I was like, wow, and I you know, and I live in this in this, you know, my profession. I was and even I totally disconnected on that when I was like, Wow, message received. So that's an important thing. And it's not it's you're still a mom, you're still walking about shift, but it's it's yeah. a it's it's so your own perception has to shift a little bit in order to for others to perceive you as you want to be perceived in the marketplace. It's a really kind of a powerful thing. Here's another one I love and you have a lot to talk about. This is we all have to get off the hamster wheel and that you actually, you know, spoke about that a second ago too. even in the um, idea that like when we're doing that same thing over and over again, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit of the definition of insanity where we're still we're doing all the things the same way, same way, expecting different results. Because we're on that hamster wheel, and and again, it happens so much it's in the creative fields. I'm writing this thing, and for I think it's so much for actors. I'm taking the classes. I'm sending out my stuff. I'm doing this, and because you think that that activity is doing something, but no, it's it's just active for the sake of activity. And it's not actually moving you forward. So how did you how did you get off your own hamster wheel if you were ever on one?
1: Oh yeah. I've been on them. I think like every once in a while you like always just get on the hamster wheel, yeah, you know, that's true. because part of it is like, you know, especially like you get into the routine of doing something, right. You wake up at a certain time. If you have a job, you're going into the office, you know, I'm taking three kids to schools. Like you, you get into the, the, the same old, same old. Right. And so I think the, the point where I, I, there's so many, there's so many hamster wheels I've, I've, I've gotten on, but now I get on and I get off. I like hop on. I'm like, Oh, I'm in the wheel. Got to get off. Or my mom's like, wait, I think you're on the wheel right now. Like you need to exit. I'm like, how
0: does mom know? How does mom know? What is she recognizing? Where's mom going? around on the wheel. Who
1: knows like, if I'm calling her too much, she's like, um, we've spoken already, like, to, like back to back a couple of days. Like what's going on? Like, are you on the wheel right now? Like, oh, you know, that. or if I haven't talked to her in a long time, she's like, Hey, haven't heard from you. Are you on that wheel? It's sort of like the opposite of like both ends, like the dramatic ends of the spectrum. So I think one of the ways you can help yourself to identify if you're on it is if you are not getting the results that you're wanting or or you're not identifying, you're not paying attention that you are actually getting results and you're not identifying them as results, going back to like progress versus right. success. So you might be actually getting something but you're, you're just like glossing over it. You're not paying attention to it enough to recognize it.
0: Right. Like I haven't gotten anywhere because I'm not on a network show yet. Exactly. But
1: you're like, I've gotten 10 callbacks. Well, that's that's, that's, that's huge. Crazy, right. You know, like I'm a show creator and I remember I sold my first show last year and so to, to Facebook Watch. And so in that process, I was talking to an executive and I was like, you know, I have, um I've had like 17 production companies company, um, development deals, but no shows have been sold at all, you know? And I feel like I'm just like on this hamster wheel, like I'm just getting these deals and I'm not selling shows. Like this is crazy. And she said to me, you have, you've had 17 production deals. Like, do you understand that that's a big deal? You're just like saying that like, Oh yeah, just got 17. And I'm like, yeah, but there's no money for those deals. It's an option. And they take it out. They try to sell it. But not recognizing that is huge to be able to have that, and you know, a two years time period. That's a lot. So I wasn't recognizing that because in my mind, I'm like, I didn't sell a show. and that is the goal for me, right? And so I think it's so that's what I mean. You really have to try to say, Hey, like, am I making progress here? And if so, okay continue to do that, or maybe you might shift things up a little bit. So one is recognizing if you're making progress. Now on the other side, which is sometimes more common is you aren't making progress. Like you are, you are honestly doing things, you know, right or wrong, and you just aren't getting anywhere. And in those moments, you have to change things up. You just honestly do. And so what that means is, is, um, you know, if you are an actor, for example, like this is a this is a great example, a real example. When I used to have, when I was looking for new clients, and I would interview potential actors, and an actor would come in, and they would say, um, I'd say, "Oh, what do you want to do in the industry?" And they'd say, "You know, I'm really into drama and comedy, and I just want to do it all. Like, like I just want to get a check and get paid to do what I love." And I love that. I mean, like, I appreciate that I'm an artist. I'm not an actor, but I'm an artist in many ways. So I understand what they mean. Like, you want to get paid for the work you do. Like, you want to get paid for your creativity, you know, or the, the God-given talents you believe that you have. So I understand that. But the problem with that is that if you're going every day in that mindset, trying to, like, perfect drama and comedy, and you're just doing both, you're doing all of everything, you're auditioning for drama roles one day, comedy the next. Commercials the next day, like you're just doing a lot because it feels like that's what you're supposed to do. You never turn down anything; you just keep going because the auditions are coming. As opposed to saying, when that's not working, if it's working, that's one thing. But if it's not working, you gotta say, let me just focus on comedy because those are the people I would sign. They would come in the room and they'd be like, I want to be the first Asian on SNL, and I'd be like, Oh wow, okay, let's let's talk about that. And we talk about. It. I didn't even realize there wasn't an Asian cast member on SNL at the time. Like, okay, and so just being very specific about your goals. And even if you want to do a lot of things, like I have a list of, of a million different things that I do, but you can't communicate that to everybody at, at every time you meet them at every point in time. And you can't focus on all those things. So you really do kind of have to, for me, I, I like to do things in seasons. So someone's like, what are you working on? I'm like, oh, this is my season where I'm focusing really on my kids or on my marriage or whatever it is. I like to focus on seasons for things because I, I feel like I can't be superwoman at all things at all times. I just can't. Sometimes it's just a month where I'm not the most like most on it mom. I'm just not because I'm so focused on my career. And my husband's like, What's what's dinner? And I'm like, Well, you wanna you can order, you wanna call it Cheesecake Factory? Like <laughs> that's dinner tonight, you know? So yeah, I think that's one of the ways that has really help me to be able to, you know, understand, yeah, how to process that.
0: These are so great. So I'm also going to throw these at you. So one is, that we talked about a little bit before, is showing up generously, which is another version of pay the yes forward, right? It's just, it's like, if you're, it's just exactly what it sounds like. Just show up generously that you're not right. Constantly like what's in it for me. And also goes back to the idea Bevy Smith spoke about it on this podcast. Many people did that. It, everything isn't transactional, right? Yeah. It's just, I'm just showing up and I'm making relationships and, and so much of this, and you address this is nonlinear. linear doesn't happen. Step one goes to step two. It's step one and then there was step L somewhere else and somehow there's an intersection. So I think that's really important. And I love the idea is then you're just the big old permission slip to dive in and just start doing, which is really great. But the two things I wanted to talk about is one, which I think is so important and can be scary in this process is to trust your instincts.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's, that is a hard one, but I promise you once you master how to trust your own instincts like you just become unstoppable. You really do. Because you know, like what's for you is for you. What's not for you is not for you. Trusting your instincts. You know, a lot of people are always, you know, are kind of wondering like, what is that? What does that truly look like? What does that look like? But it's, it's that first feeling. It's that, it's that first feeling you get about something. Uh, Usually it's that first, that first intuitive thing, like, oh, maybe I should do that and then you start talking yourself out of it, you know? Or right. you know, you know, and, and you kind of backtrack or just even like on on a day-to-day basis, you know, you might remember to do something, you might say, "Oh, I got to, you know, make sure I pick up the cleaners when I when I when I leave here or something." And then you end up not not going to do that like right away, you know? So, it's just that first instinct that comes to mind. I think it's really important to be able to do and and I love paying things for it. You know, I think that's you know so important to be able to create yeses for other people. Like if you ever feel stagnant in life, figure out how you can help someone else. There is someone that needs help on a on a project, there's someone that needs help videotaping something, recording something, reading something, proofing something. There's someone that needs your help. There, we all need help doing something so if you ever feel like i just like i'm stuck, i feel depressed, i just, you know, i just don't know what to do, try to help someone else and i promise through that you will have a breakthrough because that's what happens, you know? That's what happens with good. When you do good in the world, like a breakthrough will come even if again it's not like the biggest win, eventually those big wins add up to, you know, great paychecks hopefully, you know?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like you shift your energy and you and you change your glow and you change your results. I love that. Going back to, because it it is actually something you said earlier, it's the trust in your instincts, the better you know yourself. So one is doing the exercise to understand your traditional or the patterns of your pathway to success. Because once you know aspects of yourself really well, then you'll begin to grow confidence in trusting your instincts. Absolutely. I love that you shared that.
1: And a lot of people do, I'll tell you one of the things I do with that is a lot of people do vision boards. But what I do, Barbara, is I actually do tracking boards, which is tracking my success and tracking that. Just like how agents at big time agencies, they track actors and talent and communities. They track to know before you become signed, before you become big, they're tracking you. They're they're saying what you're working on, which, what are you doing? You know, you'll find out, oh, you're on someone's tracking list. And so I have my own personal tracking board and I track my successes as opposed to, I don't really do vision boards. I do tracking boards to identify the things that have mattered to me, no matter how small or how big, if it's an email from someone amazing or it's, you know, whatever it is. And I track, how does that, happen? How did I get that? And when you do that, you're like, oh, wow, I was basically just nice here. I got this because I just took someone to coffee. Oh, I got this because this. Oh, I sent some emails. Oh, I was on this panel. And then that's how I, like, I was invited to go do the BBC, um, be a live commentator, right, for the Oscars. Well, I was never, like, trying to do that. I was never like, oh, I want to be a live commentator on BBC. That was never on my radar of something that I wanted to do. I randomly, out of the blue, got an email from a BBC producer that said, oh, we'd love to have you as our live commentator for our 90th Academy Awards. And I was like, me? Did he say Angela? I was like, oh. And I spoke to him. And he was just like, oh, yeah, we found you because. And it was essentially, I had done a panel. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had done a panel that had nothing to do. I mean, it was on like diversity. So it did have somewhat to do. They were wanting me to talk about diversity in the industry and the whole Me Too movement had happened and all of that. But that's where it came from. So that was not a linear thing. Most people, if you want to be on BBC, you do certain steps to get there, right? But that I was something else totally different. And so when you start to see, I'm like, okay, I got the BBC thing because I did the panel. I'm like, oh, so basically I need to do panels. That's how I got, I wrote a movie for the Oprah Winfrey Network, similar thing. Like I got the opportunity because I was moderating an event with an amazing director and that director hired me. I was a fan of his work, hired me to write a Christmas movie. And so when you track your success, you can see there is a pattern. There's going to be a pattern that's going to show up. It's not going to be for everybody. Everybody's tracking board is going to be different, but that's something I,
0: I love doing. Okay, my mind is completely blown. I'm just sitting here in, in tracking board, processing heaven. I love it. I adore you, Angela. This has been incredible. Um, I hope you'll come back sometime. Where can we find Create Your Yes?
1: It is at all bookstores, at all Barnes & Noble's bookstores, and also on Amazon. And there's an audiobook, too.
0: Oh, fantastic. And where can we find you on the socials?
1: Live with Angela on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. Please visit my ableintermedia.com website and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.